Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to the How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy podcast this week. I'm so excited you're here and I'm so excited about all of the new faces, all of the new folks who are considering Etsy. Um, This episode is going to be amazing for you. If you're new, it's going to be amazing for you if you've been here because who does not love a success story? And what I love about Linda is that she's not so far ahead um, of a newer shop that you can't, that it's not relatable. She's having an amazing degree of success, but she's just three years in and I'm really excited to introduce her to you. So let me give you a little of her background. Linda graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi in 1979 with a BS in computer science. She worked at NCR Programming Computers for, oh, NCR is a company, Program Computers for 23 years. It's so funny to think she went from programming computers to such a creative outlet. I love it so much. She has one son who is now 35 and lives in Dallas. Um, In 2001, she left her job and opened a Merle Norman Cosmetic and Day Spa um, in South Florida for nine years. Again, what a pivot. We love it. And unfortunately, her husband passed away from heart failure um, at that time. And then she remarried five years later to the love of her life. She sold her Merle Merle Norman and managed um, her second husband's medical practice for seven years. And then they recently moved to Southeast Alabama in 2019 to be closer to her husband's son and grandkids in Birmingham and also to her son in Dallas. And so she started a beading blog in 2019 just for kicks because she loved beading. She has a funny story that she's going to share during the episode and created her um, beadboard out of her own necessity. And it's now taken on a life of its own. And um, there's, a, there's a blog called comebeadwithme.com where she shares everything everything beadboarding. And so today we're going to hear her story of how her Etsy shop got started, what it's doing today, and the things that she's learned along the way. And I'm really excited to share it with you. So please help me welcome Linda to the podcast. Yay. Hi, Linda. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lizzie. Thank you for having me. I'm ecstatic to have you. And I'm really excited about your story and your product because it's unlike anything we've ever talked about. So um, do, are you, you're a podcast listener, right? Yes, I am. Definitely. When did you start listening to the, the, I always call us the H and in email, it's the HTS family. I need to start telling you guys that on air. Um, when did you start listening? Oh, probably about nine months ago. Okay. Yes. Were you just looking for like, just kind of looking around for resources or how did it, how did it come to be? I, I think I was looking specifically for Etsy and I think you were, um, you know, suggested as another podcast to listen to. I previous to that, and I and still I listen to like generic online marketing and yeah. podcasts, but nothing that was specific to Etsy. So, and 
I have listened to a couple of other ones, but you just, you have to find somebody that you click with. Yeah. You know, you have to find somebody where you like the sound of their voice. You like what they're talking about, you know, so many things that, and so I just loved your topics and what you had to say just really resonated with me. And so I've just been, you know, and then I would go back and listen to a lot of the episodes that I missed and just keep on going. Well, thank you so much for that. And you guys should know that Linda's here because there's in the in the show notes, there's a link where you can apply to be a guest. And that is how Linda and I found each other is she applied to be a guest on the show. So that is completely awesome. I do want to ask, have there been any episodes that just you always think of that really jumped out at you that you remember or? So one that I, that I think about and is the duo you had on for the print on demand podcast episode uh they I call them a duo because they're not really a couple I don't think the the uh, guy and the girl they were just super they were so great that they had me thinking wow what could I come up with as a print-on-demand product that I could put into my shop you know and um so that one comes to mind a lot was Um, that the printify episode with was it because I'm only I'm thinking that's like one of the only two people that came at the same time to talk about print on demand. It was like actually the people at Printify was Leah and Talish. I don't think they were from Printify. They weren't. Oh my gosh, I'm so curious who it was now. I'll have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. But anyway, that one and then you recently had somebody, a lady on that does Reese. Okay. And and Tina? she I just thought, you know, her story was great because yeah. she started making these wreaths and then is, and, and wreaths are not uh, uh, like everybody makes wreaths. Like that's not a super niche product like mine is. Right. And she's killing it. Yes. Making these wreaths. I just thought, wow, you go girl. You know, that so people are listening. It's Tina Pagliaro. It was a few episodes ago. I'll try, I'll have to try to remember to link these. Oh my gosh. That was, that was a random question that I just pulled on, on poor Linda. She's probably like, really Lizzie, you're doing this to me. But I had to ask because it's so fun. It's so fun to hear what resonates with people. It's always different. Right. Right. Yeah. And the, the one about the print on demand, the reason why, and, and I'm, this is going to jump ahead to one of, one of your other questions, but you have to, I think. I think one of one thing that I would say to other people just starting an Etsy shop or whatever is you have to have a plan for mm-hmm. your business and don't get sucked into what's the hot topic of the day if it doesn't fit in with your business. You know, so I listened to that episode and I thought, wow, let me see what I can come up with. Right. And I'm spending two weeks trying to, you know, playing around on Canva and everything. And then finally, I just stopped and said, Linda, what are you doing? Yeah, like, this, is, <laughs> this is not, yeah, shiny object in the room. This is not moving your business forward. It might help somebody else, but not you. You need to stop and refocus on what you need to be working on, which is my my business plan and my product. So. But it's interesting to hear how other people are being successful. Yes. You know, I always learn, like, even if it's something I would never want to do, I always learn something because 
uh, the way that they think about it and articulate it will somehow relate to what I sell, what I do and help move me forward because it gets me out of my own, like, what, what do, how do I want to say this? Like, you know how you just get in your, in your same thought cycles in your mind. And sometimes you just need a totally fresh perspective to be able to get to that next level. So I, I love that. Absolutely. That's why I listen to, I'll go back and like if a topic generally might not interest me. Yeah. But if you listen to it, maybe there's some little tidbit in there that you didn't know about or, or something that will just strike you in a different way. And you'll think, wow, I could apply that to my, to my business. And maybe that'll work for me. I, I, I listened to something. I was a tale and I was scrolling through a podcast and somebody said something about, I just heard it. This would be a good Etsy plus shop. And I went Etsy plus, I don't <laughs> even know what that is. Like I've had an Etsy shop for, I don't know, three years now. What's this Etsy plus she's talking about, you know? So there's just so much out there that, that you don't know that you don't know, you don't know. So yeah. That's and like. and for those who are wondering the same thing, Etsy Plus is where you can actually, for your Etsy shop, you can pay, gosh, I haven't done it in a while. I think it's $10 or $12 it's a month. It's $10 a month. And, and then um, you get some listings for free, like they come with it. Um, and you just get some other features where, so do you, I haven't even looked at it in a while. And did you remember, because you just looked it up? What yeah, else I just it? looked at it. You get a couple of listings for free. And it was something about, they let you put categories into your header. Oh, that's what it was, right? You can structure, you get, you get to structure your shop storefront differently. You get some extra choices there for customization. I did this in my sign shop a few years ago. I haven't done it in my print on demand or any of my digital shops, um, you know, because they're just not making the money yet for me to want to spend that every month. But that that's right. That's what it was. So I don't even know why someone would have said that would make a good Etsy plus shop. It's some, it's a choice that anybody has and all it does is open up some other choice, some other options for you. Yeah. I, I don't know either. I have to no, research it some more. I'm so glad you said that because that's it gets us out of our own mind cycle. We want to get to know you today, Linda. So tell us your story. What is your background? How did you get into making beadboards of all things? This is the most, this is such a cool niche. Like I've never seen this before. So tell us, I, I love what you're doing. Okay. So I started out as a computer programmer. My no way. I know my bachelor's degree is computer science from the 70s. I graduated from the University of Southern Mississippi in 1979 and uh, programmed computers for 20 years. And I absolutely loved it. And that was back in the day when we actually programmed down and dirty. Um, it was it's hard to describe to you know people that don't understand it from those days, but it it was it was a lot of fun. I really liked it. And um, Linda, have you heard of the company Kronos? No. Okay. Because my parents owned a company where they did a computer programming in that time frame. So I just oh, had okay. to keep, yeah. keep going. But I had to see if we had that connection. <laughs> yeah. But 20 years of corporate life, for anybody who's ever worked for a corporation, you feel like you're, you just can't take it anymore. You know, all the, the structure, the the whatever. And I decided to quit that job. And I opened a Merle Norman Cosmetics and Day Spa in South Florida. And that was just a night and day kind of a thing. I clearly did not make as much money at that, but um, I had a lot of fun with it. 
And I had a real sense of community with that store because I belonged to the Chamber of Commerce. I belonged to charity groups. I knew everybody was in a little community in South Florida. I knew everybody in town. And it was just really a lot of fun. I got really involved in my community that I would not have done otherwise. And I sold that. And about a year later, my second husband is a doctor, the person I'm married to currently. And his he was having a hard time finding an office manager and I needed a job. So I said, I'm just going to take over running your office. Wow. And um, I did that for seven years, not knowing anything about running a medical practice. But um, so those were my three previous careers. And we decided to move to Southeast Alabama from Fort Lauderdale in 2019 so that we could be closer to his son lives in Birmingham and he has two little ones, our two grandkids. They're now six and four. And we, we just wanted, we wanted to be closer to them. And plus my son is in Dallas. And so we're closer to him. And so we moved up here to Alabama And I knew I wouldn't be able to find, we're in rural Alabama. I knew I wouldn't be able to find a manager's position, you know, making any kind of money. So I had started a blog probably in 2018 with the goal that I just thought, you know, when I retire, I'll have this blog and maybe it'll make a couple hundred bucks a month in passive income. And that would just be some great supplemental income for my husband and I, you know, in our 70s and 80s or whatever. And the funny thing is talking about, you're always talking about niching down. Yeah. And uh, I started a general craft blog. It was called thecraftingqueen.com. Is it still up? No. Okay. And I kept hearing people say niche down, niche down, and I couldn't figure out why. Like, I, I just wasn't making any sense with me. And then one day uh, after we moved here, I wanted to start gardening because in South Florida, it's hard to garden. But here in Southeast Alabama, gardening is, uh, you know, year round kind of a thing. And I was looking for blogs on specific to this kind of climate. And I was having a really hard time finding something. And then one day I found a great article talking right to me about gardening. And I thought, oh. Finally, I found a website that's exactly what I was looking for. And so I clicked on the next article and it was about snacks for your kids for after school. And the next article was, let's sew this cute little purse. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like there was not another gardening article on the entire website. It was just a general. They were interested in. There was no. Nothing. Yeah. That's how it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. If you have a general crafting website and somebody clicks on your crocheting article and their next, what your next article is about sewing, they're just going to leave. They don't care about any of those other topics. So that's when I knew I had to pick one. And I had started beating a couple of years before that. And in beading, there's not a lot out there on on beading jewelry. So that's what I went with. 
um, and called that, if that website is still up, it's called comebeadwithme.com. So the bee boards came about because my husband and I would travel back and forth to Birmingham to see the kids. It's about a three hour drive. And I had this plastic tray that I would, I would bead while we were driving. And I had this plastic tray and every time he hit the brakes, the bees would go flying all over the car. No. <laughs> and, and I told you, my husband is OCD and he's <laughs> freaking out. Like, where are those bees going? Everywhere, dude. Everywhere. How big of bees are we talking about, Linda? Are we talking about like the, tell me. Teeny tiny. I mean, teeny, bees? No. teeny, teeny tiny. And he, then, he needed therapy from just that, right? He did. He did. And then when I needed something, like let's say I ran out of a bead color or I needed my scissors, I'd be, you know, down trying to find something in my tote. And I just thought there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. So I went online and I knew nothing about bead boards, but I found a YouTube video that showed you how to make one. And I thought, wow, this is really cool because they're expensive. <laughs> they're expensive to buy them. Okay. And uh, so I took a basic bead board and I figured out a way to add a drawer to it so that you have all your supplies right there with the board. You don't have to go digging around in a tote bag. And I figured out a way to put, put little divots or wells in it so that you have a place to put each bead color. And, uh, and I created a lid for it so that you can put this lid down over the board to keep all your beads protected. Like, like in the car, when you stop for a rest stop, you can put that lid on it and then yes. just stick it on your seat and not worry about is everything going to spill out. So I had at that time about 500 people on my email list from the beading blog so I worked with a couple of them, sent them some free boards, and they just thought it was great. And I took off from there. Just I was selling the boards on my website for probably the first year. Wow. Okay. So on your website, and, and you were basically using influencers to help, like, to get traffic to it? Uh, using social media and my email list. How did you find those? How did you get people on your email list? From the just from the website, just I probably just mostly through social media. Okay, Pinterest was Pinterest. You know, what else? Pinterest, Facebook, Pinterest, and Facebook. Okay, but you were so niche down that people found you because thank yes. you Google and your SEO would have been perfect because it was so niche down. That is amazing. I love that because so many people say, myself included, I tried to sell on my website. I had crickets, which is what brought me to Etsy to begin with. Right. Well, how I got ended up on Etsy was I was talking to somebody and I said, you know, I'm thinking about starting to sell my boards on Etsy. And she said, well, I said, what do you think of that idea? And she said, well, your people are on Etsy already, right? Yes. They're on there looking for beads, patterns, etc. So they're probably searching for bead boards on Etsy and you're not coming up. So they're buying somebody else's bead board. Smart friend. And I thought, I think you're right. So, <laughs> so I thought, okay, on a whim, I'll just throw them on Etsy and see what happens. And that was two years ago. And what's happened is all of my sales have migrated off my website and onto Etsy. 
Oh, wow. Pros and cons. Okay. So, yeah. So even though people find me on my website, they will go to Etsy to purchase it. Interesting. And I think it's because they they're on Etsy already buying stuff and they like the security of purchasing through Etsy. You might pump your pricing up a little bit on Etsy if you haven't already, though, compared to your site, make it a little more. Yes. So the difference I have is I charge for shipping on Etsy because my boards are expensive to ship and I don't charge shipping on my website. I, all of my social media goes to my website. I don't send anybody to Etsy, Sure, but they all, they all end end up up there there anyway. So we'll take what we can get, right? We'll take what we we can get, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I, I love it. You know, if they, (laughs) there's so many pros and cons. Yes. Both ways. Yeah. Make sure you're using that share and save program for sure. Yeah. All right, friend, this one is for my people who want to build and scale an Etsy shop for physical products. You may not know this about me because I've run and talked about all different types of shops since launching the podcast, but I actually got my start on Etsy in physical products. And to this day, I consider that my expertise. My very first Etsy business was a handmade shop for wood signs that my husband and I built, painted, boxed, and shipped. And we ran that puppy for six amazing years and made hundreds of thousands of dollars with that shop. I will never forget it. I'm so grateful. I know what it's like, and I know how to build a successful handmade business. It can be really hard in the beginning, especially because the physical part of the product creation takes up a lot of time and energy. And then you have to pair that with like having to develop the actual skills of getting people to buy them. It's a whole different mammoth of a ball game. So if that is you, you're planning a physical product shop or you've got one that's not getting the results that you want, you need my flagship Etsy course. It's called Listings That Sell 2.0. And I will literally teach you everything I know, every secret up my sleeve, and the entire strategy that I used, and now hundreds of other students have used as well to get sales on Etsy. We're going to talk about how Etsy works and how to leverage the algorithm, how to find pockets of demand so that you don't list your products and just get crickets. I'm going to teach you everything about SEO or search engine optimization, which is just a fancy way of saying I'm going to show you how to use the right words on your listings to make sure that they get seen by shoppers. We're going to talk about product photography tips, shipping, pricing, shop setup, legal and tax basics, and so much more. You're also going to get access to my private student Facebook group which I am in every single day answering questions and we support and celebrate each other all the time. So bottom line, if you want to make this Etsy thing work for you, I have over 20 hours of training waiting for you so you can master the Etsy marketplace or fill in any gaps of knowledge that you need. Or if you are strapped for time, which is 100% where I'm at right now, and you just need the bottom line, I've provided a fast track roadmap so you can get through the most critical lessons in under five hours. If you are ready, Let's do this together. I'm going to hold your hand. You can visit the link in the show notes to learn more, and I will see you on the inside. You know what's so interesting, Linda, and, and because we want to protect your conversion rate, and um, for those of you who may be new, when I have guests, we don't all we don't typically share their Etsy shop unless they're so big it doesn't matter. Because if a whole bunch, if I mean. 
thousands of you listen to this podcast. There are about 500,000 downloads on it, like every week, thousands of people. So if every single one of them, or if even 10% of them went over to someone's Etsy shop and they were not a massive shop and then they didn't buy because they were just going to kind of look around and learn, it would tank their conversion rate. What that would do is tell Etsy, oh, all these people are coming to the shop, but they're not buying anything. So I, we should stop showing it to people because it doesn't make us money. And so um, for Linda, we're going to give you her website so you can go see what she does. Um, but, and I don't even remember why I got off on that, but oh, oh, so the point is you're not going to be able to go look at it, but I want to, I want to say this thing. When I went and looked at Linda's shop, what I love is that she's keeping it so simple. Like, your photos, your B boards are on a plain white background. Like honestly, it's nothing. It's nothing like mind boggling. Like you, if you're looking for a B board, you're gonna pick out in the search results. Oh, there's a B board, but you don't have these like insane pictures. You're you don't have lots of bells and whistles. You're just like here's the product, and I'm gonna be very point blank at what it involves, and you're gonna have what you need, but you're not trying to be flashy about it, whereas so many of us need to be. But but the reason it works for you, Linda, is because you're so niche down. And that's like one of the one of the main things I really want to convey about your story that's so cool is if you really as an Etsy seller, find your people, you can make so many, and I'm not saying you're making mistakes, Linda, but you could a seller can make so many mistakes. You don't have to be like don't spend hours and hours on branding. Don't spend hours and hours on perfecting everything. Get your shop up and going because if you're really niche down and you really understand your audience because you are them or your end customer, you're going to make sales like Linda's killing it. <laughs> and she's not doing it. I love that you're keeping it simple. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've just had the, the thought that if you come to, to my store or you see my listing and you think, what's that? You're not my customer. Yes. Right. You know, you're, you're, you're not, you don't know, you don't make jewelry. You don't know what a B board is. I don't even you're need not, you seeing my listing. Like I don't yeah. even write. You're, you're not, I mean, because it's, it's funny when I look at my um, search terms in Etsy, you know, they, they always have some weird ones in there. Um, because I, it's a B board with a cover. They have me, um, one of the search terms was ironing board with cover, oh, okay. you know, so, so, so I know that it shows up in other searches that are totally unrelated, but, but those people, I'm not trying to win those people over to my B board. They'll, they'll just pass on and, and, but if you, if you be jewelry and you see one of my boards, you know, right away what that is. That is so fascinating. So, okay. Um, we already know how you decided in your niche. You decided because your OCD husband and PS, if, if, if I'm going to have an OCD person, I want it to be my doctor. I'm just going to say that. I'm just going to put that out there. Um, how did you know that there would be like enough demand? Like, were you, um, were you, were you wondering if people would find you or were you just like, you know, I, I get, you know, how did that affect your, your thought process? So at that time, it didn't, but it does now. And okay. what I mean by that is I was so passionate about this product yeah. that I just You're put it your out, own problem. Yeah. I put it out there and thought, let's just see where it goes. Okay. And, and it's been a real journey in trying to um, come up with processes that make it better like glue was has been my number one issue in the beginning trying glue? to glue yeah glue like what kind of glue works best to glue uh -huh. foam to wood what kind of glue works best to glue acrylic to you know that kind of thing wow. but but we've 
I've perfected the process of making the board, you know, but I can, this isn't a, um, it's not a commodity product that some women do own five, six, seven of them, believe it or not, but it's not something you're going to purchase all the time. Mm -hmm. So, and it is a finite amount of people, you know, it's like, I'm not going to make $200,000 a year selling bead boards more than likely. I can't, I'd have to hire a lot of staff. So in the beginning, I didn't think about it, um, that, that this would be a finite market, but now I'm starting to think, okay, I'm comfortable making the boards. How can I expand my business to start to make more money? Mm -hmm. You know, like, like what can I offer my people? What can I offer the people that are coming into my store? Or something adjacent, like directly adjacent. Yes, exactly. What, what does the what, board sell for? Just to give us a concept of. So the really small one, which is eight by eight inches, starts at $45. Okay. And the biggest one, 12 by 18 inches with a drawer is $175. Oh, yeah. We want to sell more of those. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they're every price in between. So from $45 to $175. Do you sell year round? Like, do you see sales come in every month? Yes. And are I they do. made to order or do you have them ready to go? Or are no, you making- they're, they're made to order because um, there's three different options as far as do they want a drawer or not? Do they want yeah. wells or not? What fabric choice do they want? But there are a couple of colors and combinations that are the number one. Like I know if I if I made a drawer out of this fabric that looked like this in this size, I'm going to sell it within a couple of weeks. Okay. So I, that's one of my goals for this year is to have those popular boards Faster made turnaround. and ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I can have them ready in the ready to ship section for the people that don't want to wait. Cause it takes, it does take seven to 10 days That's for so me bad. to get a board out the door, you know, but they are custom made and they're high quality, which is, you know, part of who I am is that I want a high quality board. I, one of my reviews said, this is the Rolls Royce of V boards. Love that. Put and that I was everywhere. like, yes, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going for, you know? And I say, I back these boards. If there's anything you don't like about it, if you have any kind of a problem with it, you let me know and I will fix it. Yeah. You know, I will send you a new board. I don't want you to have something that you don't like, like the fabric didn't turn out how you thought it was going to look or whatever. I don't, I don't want you to have a board that you don't like, or that has an issue with it. You know, I want you to love your board. Like these boards are a piece of my soul that I (laughs) put in a box and I send it out to somebody and I want them to love that board as much as I do. I love that. And I feel passionately about that. So, And I bet you um, almost never get a complaint because that is your attitude. Rarely does somebody complain. Uh-huh. Rarely. and But if they do, you know, and I, I will say, say this to anybody out there, listen to your customers. Yeah. Listen to your customers. They will tell you what's wrong with it and what you can do to make it better. Like if they complain about something... I'll, my first reaction is, how can I change it so it's better? Like, how can I fix this to make my board better? You know, and um, 
if, if they complain that they got a, a bad board, I just got a two-star review a couple of weeks ago. And uh, gut punch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 40, all these five-star, re- but, but I read her review and I couldn't, ar- one thing I would have argued with her on, but I, I don't bother. I just messaged her and said, I will send you a new board. Tell me, tell me she wasn't happy. One of the things she wasn't happy about was, was the um, color of it. I said, you tell me exactly what you want. I will remake a board for you and send it to you. You know, that's what I want. I want you to be happy. Not, I wish she would have messaged me with her issues instead of putting it as a review. review? I'm sorry. Did she update her review? She hasn't yet because I haven't I haven't sent her the new board okay. yet. Okay. Oh my gosh, I'll be so curious. You'll have to shoot me an email and let me know what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm invested. <laughs> yeah, you know it's and that's that's something else. I I went to respond to her and I didn't realize. So just so people know, don't, don't if, once you respond to their their review, they can't change it. Yeah. Wait two to three weeks after she's got the new one, message her and be like, I saw that it arrived. Let me know how you like this one. And I hope I have turned this around for you. That's what I always did. And they, every single time they change the review. And if they don't after two to three weeks, then you comment on it. Yeah. And you say something like, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that this didn't go the way both of us hoped it would. I really hope you like your replacement um, beadboard. Right. with the, with the specifications you mentioned when we, cha- you know what I mean? Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you don't, you, you be careful with your tone. So you don't seem condescending. You don't seem like you're, you know, um, you're just trying to show people that you take care of. Yeah. That you take yeah. care of any issues that they have. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Talk to us. So how many, I, before we started recording, you said that December was really big for you. How many sales did you get in December? Wow. So I did, it was my best month so far. Okay. I did 7,000 and it was about wow. 76 orders. How, are, are you Which still shopping them? Like, <laughs> how I'm did sorry? you do that? Made to order? Like, how did oh, you do that? Oh, I know. That? Right. And I got sick. I don't know how I did it because I got sick. Our our six-year-old grandson came to visit and I got so sick after he left for 10 days and I still got all those orders done. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know how I did it. I do have a helper who comes to help me and uh, she is the best. I am so lucky to have this woman. She just, she's wonderful. I sometimes I she's more like a business partner than an employee. Wow, that's I just, amazing. How'd you find I, her? I had put in back when Facebook Marketplace would let you advertise jobs. I had put an ad in there, and her daughter actually came to work for me that summer. She was um, out for college, and when she was going back to college, she said, "You know, my mom would kind of like to come work for you." And I, she, she says to me, "She's the real crafty one." And I thought, well, if she's craftier than you, then I'm hit the jackpot. So, um, so her name is Paula and she, so she came to work for me and she's just really amazing. Just really amazing. So she, you have her help every month. Like you have enough business happening that you have her help regularly. She comes twice a week, four hours a day. Oh my gosh. And I could probably have her come, you know, more than that, but it's, it's a trade-off, right? Between time and money. So, yes. you know, and when my husband keeps saying, when are you going to start making some real money with that business of yours? 
and it's because you reinvest, you know, in the beginning, you're reinvesting in, in expanding and things. And so it's like, well, I have to think about if I hire another person, then that's taken money away from this. Anyway, that's, those are things. Have you thought about selling a tutorial for it? Like basically a pattern plus a YouTube video or a video showing someone how they could do it and you could sell that passively? Yeah, Yeah. So I am starting to think about other, you know, I do like, I sell patterns. I have a, um, an ebook that I sell beating basics. That's awesome. So, do you sell much of those? I, not a lot, not a lot, you know, probably in a year, I probably sell three or $4,000 okay. worth. Oh, so that, for, okay. To most people, that's a lot. Lisa. <laughs> I know I, you see, and that's, that's one thing you have to success for one person yes. is we all measure success differently, you know, because that's so, passive. You, you know, you, yes, it is passive, which is great, but I would like to grow that a yes. little bit more. I, it, it's very passive because I don't promote it that much. Oh my goodness. So, that's yeah. so cool. What else do I want to ask? Um, I would love to know what you would do differently if you started over today. I would carve out more time for my personal life. Oh, really? Yeah. I am. I'm in. My husband thinks I'm nuts because I get up in the morning. I feed the dogs. He leaves the house at seven o'clock in the morning to go to work. And by eight o'clock, I'm in my studio working and I'm in there till seven o'clock at night, seven days a week, unless unless it's a day like where. Well, I shouldn't say seven because one day a week I go shopping because the shopping's a half hour away. So it takes me like the whole day to go shopping, but, or if I have a doctor's appointment or something, I mean, and I do that because I love it, you know, but I need to carve out more time for doing other stuff that I love to do, like gardening and to spend more time with him, you know, because he retired now. He's not, he's, um, he's thinking, we're thinking of retiring this spring Wow. They'll have five years. When we moved to South Alabama, he went to work for the VA. Oh my um, goodness. The Veterans Administration Clinic in at um Fort Novacell here. And he'll have his five years in in May, which makes him vested. Okay. But he's he's not like me though. I I worry about him retiring because he'll just putz around the house all day and be like, at the end of the day, he'll be like, I don't know where the time went. I didn't get anything done. You know? Oh, really? Really? He won't be out on the land, like doing stuff or? Yeah, no, he will. He will. But he's, whereas me, I'm a doer. Like I've got to constantly be doing something constantly. If I'm in the house waiting on him, I'm beating a project. You know, I can't just sit still. I have to constantly be doing something. And so but so the yeah, business I, is good then. So this is a great fit for you because I'm sitting there thinking I do not want to put that many hours in. Like I'm, you know, I'd be much more interested in creating another passive stream, but you're so passionate about it. Like how long does it take to make one beadboard? So in the beginning, when I first started this, it took me two days to no make way. a board. Yeah. No. For like, the, okay. And then the, it was like $40 for, and that's <laughs> after that for the, for the small one. And that's after or before supplies, before Keep going. Yeah, so, well, two days to make the big one with the drawer. And then we, we have over the really cut down on the process. So it it takes about four hours now to, okay. make, to make one with the drawer for 175. Okay. How long does the eight by eight one take you? That takes an hour. 
Okay. Oh, that's a good, that's great then. Yeah. Yeah. That, that takes about oh. an hour. Those, those we can whip out all day long, but the ones with the drawer take a little bit longer because we're having to build, build that. So, um, so you just wish you hadn't let your business completely swallow you. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I feel like you're saying both things though. You're also like, you're also like, but I can't sit still. So I've got to <laughs> <laughs> fill the time with something. What's your your favorite part of, of what you do? I love it when I get a an email. This is why I do it. Like I'll have a really bad day. Something will go wrong and I'll be yelling. I can't tell you how many times yelling and screaming and crying. I can't do this anymore. I don't know. Why do I do this? And then I'll go look at my email and somebody will have sent me an email that says, I got your board in the mail today and it is absolutely gorgeous. I love it so much. I can't wait to start using it. Thank you so much. And then I'm just like, that's why I do this. That's why I do this because people love my boards and I just get such a rush out of hearing that, you know, from people. The best kind of dopamine hit that there is, is someone appreciating our hard work, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. But I have so many things I want to ask you and I know I'm not going to get through all of it, but um, any really, uh, really big lessons you've learned so far that would be good to pass down? Things are not always going to go according to plan. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, just count on that. Just count on it being hard. I mean, this, some people have it easy. Okay. Some people... I'd love and, to meet them. <laughs> I, I have I, I have a friend. Okay, she started an Etsy shop, literally buying yarn on sale at Michaels and reselling it on Etsy as supplies. Yeah, yes, and that was and she was selling four or five thousand dollars worth of yarn a month. Okay, and not anymore. Huh? She stopped. Did she stop? No, no, she still is. But okay. I haven't talked to her in about a year. So I don't know how, how she's doing it now. And, you know, it's it's easy to look at people like that and think, wow, like, really? Like, it's so easy. All you have to do is take this stuff off the shelf, throw it in a box and mail it to the customer. So it's easy to look at somebody where it's where you think they've got an easy job of it. Okay, but when you're in a product business and it's a product that you're making, things are going to go wrong. <laughs> Just learn from it and don't get too overwhelmed or too frustrated. Just learn from it and and say, how how can I change things so this doesn't keep happening and then learn from it and move on. Just I don't know if I'm saying that. You absolutely are saying it perfectly. Yeah. It, you know, it's not all going to be easy. If yeah. it was, everybody out there would be doing it. All right, guys, if you've been here for a bit, you've probably heard me say that if you want to beat saturation in the biggest Etsy niches, you've got to find a way in by using micro niches. So a micro niche is a smaller niche within a niche. So for example, the mom niche is massive, right? And if you get on Etsy as a new seller and try to sell a mom sweatshirt, you're probably never going to get found or even make a sale because the competition is just too crazy. But if you pare down to a micro niche, such as like a NICU mom or catcher mom or doxy mom, now you're onto something. You have a better chance of penetrating the market because there's still some demand. People are searching for those phrases, but there aren't as many sellers trying to compete in those micro niches. 
So how do you find them? How do you how do you go about finding a micro niche? One main way that I find them is by using Sales Samurai, which is a third party tool that gives me SEO clues like big time. And you can see my YouTube tutorial um, to try it. There's like a three day free trial in the um, that's available in the show notes link if you like. Look at the look at the video, get the trial, get the discount code. But I've also created for you a free list. I've done the research for you, and it's a list of 100 keywords in various micro niches that all have demand without crazy competition. And you can snag that also in the show notes if you want to get a sneak peek at what the data looks like and how um, where you can find some areas of opportunity that I have found in my constant SEO research. I hope it helps. And more importantly, I hope it inspires you to hunt for the micro niches because that is your ticket to crazy success on Etsy. overcome that Linda what do you how do you when you know I know it really helps to get the positive feedback but sometimes that I, I don't know about you but I feel like that's pretty pretty rare <laughs> I still get good reviews but I mean the things that really make it you're you're not gonna get that attaboy every single day so right. how do you personally keep pushing yourself through why don't you you know just pivot or throw in the towel or shiny object syndrome tell me how you do that you know, I, I think it's because I'm passionate about my boards. And, and that's why if you if you pick a niche or a product that you're passionate about, that makes it so much easier to get through the rough times. You know, and I just if I have to just take a break and come back at it the next day, things will always look better, you know, the next day. I, I just tell myself, you're going to find an answer to this. You're going to do it. Um, everything is figure outable. <laughs> everything is figure outable. I mean, like I said, glue, my number one problem, you know, yeah. I, I, I make the drawer fronts out of acrylic and the drawers are, are this molded plastic and trying to find a glue that would glue acrylic to plastic easily and that it would stay, you know, I had to research that and find find the right thing. I have researched so much glue. It's unbelievable. Other, other things that, that, that we have found to just make the process easier. So in other words, to do the, the border where we put the fabric onto the board, we would cut these half inch strips of cardboard to put along the edge. And Paula kept saying to me, she's so funny. There has to be half inch cardboard out there somewhere that we can purchase. There just has to be. And we would search and search and search and couldn't find anything. And then one day she calls me or she comes and she calls me over to her car and she says, come over here and look at this. And she opens up the back of her, of her car, her SUV. And she's got this old chair in there that she pulled out of somebody's trash. And she says, look at this. And around the corner, you know, around the edging of that old chair was this half inch cardboard, just exactly like what we needed. She goes, there it is. I knew it was going to be out there somewhere. And so then we look and upholsterers you can buy from an upholstery shop, this half inch cardboard in these great big, huge rolls. Oh, my that, gosh. that's what they use it for the same thing. But who, who knew, you know, and, and so I can't tell you how much easier that made it for us not to have to cut 
cardboard into half inch strip with a, you know, with a knife. Now it's just, there it is. For needing to paint that whole picture though. She couldn't just come over and be like, I figured it out. It's upholsters. She had to lug that chair (laughs) out to her farm to be like, look, I gotta, gotta, I'm just like, she's good people. I love that. What a You know, so it's, I mean, so many things we just, you just kind of fall into and it's, it's, you, you just, everything is figure outable. You just have to sometimes take a deep breath and say, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna panic over this. We're just gonna figure it out. So we've probably maybe overwhelmed some people thinking about this right now, being like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be so hard. Do you have any like beginner tips, things that might encourage someone who's thinking, who's feeling a little nervous to take those first steps, that kind of thing? You're not gonna, you're not gonna, get anywhere you're not going to be successful if you don't start yeah like just just start put put something you know come up with an idea find a niche lizzie has so many podcasts on how to do that how to search through etsy and figure out if you know if your niche is a good one and just put a few things out there i mean it it's you're not going to get anywhere if you don't, if you don't just start somewhere. And And done is better than perfect. Always done it. I mean, back, back when websites, you know, were first coming out, I can't remember what kind of a website I was trying to create. And my husband back then said to me, don't get caught up in trying to design the perfect website because nobody cares. People don't care if it's a blue website, a purple website or a green website, you know, that can always be tweaked and changed. What you need is just the information out there, you know, and then, and let the people, let the people come to it. They're not going to say, Oh, this, I don't like this website because it's blue instead of green and, and leave it. No. So I think of, think of some of the, the stuff on Etsy or even on a website where that you've gone to and you thought, Oh my goodness, these people really need to change the way this looks. Did you, did you just leave or did you keep looking at what, you know, what the item was? Did you go, go ahead and at least look at it and think about purchasing it? Probably you did. You didn't just say, oh, I'm not going to look at this because it's a terrible website. Especially if it's really niche down. If it's like, there's a million choices, then I'm moving on. But if it's something so specific and they're answering the exact thing I'm looking for, then I'm ignoring the aesthetic. Yes, exactly. You can always level up. Like it's always better to make it, to improve it, but it just shouldn't stop you from starting, right? Right, right, exactly. You can, you can always learn. And by putting it out there, you'll start to collect data on what's working and what's not working. If you don't have anything there, you don't know. You don't have any data. You know, are people clicking, clicking on your product? versus not clicking on your product. I mean, that makes a big difference. If they're not clicking on your product, then you need to change your your photo that's showing up in the search results. But if they're clicking on it and they're not purchasing it, well, now you need to think about what does your listing itself look like? You know, you don't have any of that data if you don't at least have something up there and running. But yeah, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna make any money just sitting here researching things on the computer all day long and not actually getting anything out there <laughs> to sell. You know, analysis you, paralysis, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I think I would say this, like um, for your photos, for your product photos, err on the side of too little. Like Linda having her a picture of her product on a totally white background is better than having a picture of her product in a super busy background because yes. that's just going to cause confusion. So for the photos, err on the side of minimalist. And then for everything else, for your descriptions, for like the actual information you include in the photo gallery for your FAQs, err on the side of too much information. Just make it look neat and tidy. So like use bullet points in your description rather than big blocks of text. Um, Use emojis to space them just to make it a little easier for the customer to consume. So like those are two little tips to help. Like if you're just, if you're just spinning in analysis about what to do, those are two things that can really can really help. How do we, where do we find you, Linda? How do we follow you? How do we stay connected? How do we continue the conversation online? So my website is uh, beadboardenvy.com for the beadboards. My Facebook page is Come Bead With Me, which is also my blog uh, website is comebeadwithme.com for everything about beading jewelry. So that has patterns, tutorials, and my bead boards on that website as well. And then Pinterest is Bead with Linda. Oh, nice. Bead with Linda. I didn't have that one. Um, Amazing. I just want to thank you so much for coming to hang out with me today and chat and share all of this. I think there's like, there are so many little golden nuggets throughout our chat that'll hopefully encourage and help someone new. And especially like, we just, I really love supporting the physical product space because there's not as much content for them these days. There's not as many stories. And so thank you for your labor of love that you do every single day and for being willing to share your insights with us. Thank you so much. Did you have fun? I did. Yes. Thank you. You recommend coming on as a guest or is it terrifying? <laughs> it was terrifying at first, but it's, you make it so easy <laughs> to do. Yes. It's great. It's great. Well, I'm thrilled we got to do this. Thank you, Linda. You guys, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate you spending this time with me. Go check out Linda's site, support her any way that you can. And until next week, go make something awesome. I'll talk to you soon. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.